Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. How you doing, Pete? When do I get my certification? When do I get my um, badge, medal, <laughs> tattoo? I want to know. <laughs> Next time you're here, Pete, I'll Yay. Uh, rustle up something. I think I think next time we're going to meet in real life, uh, you are going real to life. be knackered from a big old bike ride by the sounds of things. Yes, my last dying act as I <laughs> get off the bicycle, having cycled for 2,000 kilometres, will be pulling out some sort of special badge for you. Yeah, I'm, uh, you're, you're, you're a younger man than me, so I imagine your um, I cycling skills are probably second to none. Um, but I, I am worried about how much work this is going to be for you. <laughs> To be honest, I'm uh, I'm not I'm trying not to think about it. I, I've started going round telling everyone, "Oh yeah, yeah I'm going to cycle across Japan." Everyone's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, good luck with that." And some people are amazed, some people are in awe. But for me, it hasn't really dawned on me what a challenge it is. I keep just imagining me cycling through a nice flat rice field, mm. beautiful scenery, yeah. not a real like challenge physically. Mm. But the reality is, I'll be going through hills and mountains and all sorts, and I'll probably. I probably will die. So, uh, yeah. But I'm trying to think about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got. I mean, I've got to get off the plane at, uh, at, at Tokyo, obviously, and then get away from you know, get towards wherever you were going to be, probably the west of the country or the, the southwest. Um, I might end up just you know going north to wherever you've got to Sendai or whatever. <laughs> in hospital in Sendai. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We might be able rip. to convince you to join the cycle at some point. <laughs> Unlikely. Mm. By the way, I finally did it. I finally what? saw Isle the of Dogs boot. after what? three or four months of talking about it, about four months after you first saw it. Wow. I finally watched it. It was great. It was a work of art. <laughs> It is. I think but, it's one of those places. I think it's one of those films where I've yapped on about it so much, and you've been wanting to see it for such a long time. It was only ever going to be a little bit of a disappointment. It's a beautiful film. Uh, yeah, it is. I, yeah, it's I, mm. a work of art. Like the the stop motion is amazing, and I love the interpretation of Japan. I love mm. Nagasaki. Yeah, where Nagasaki meets Tokyo. Um, the only thing I felt was a bit underwhelming. The only thing I could. The only criticism I could think of is. It felt like it was building towards something that never really came. I don't know. At the end, the, the, the third act felt a little bit underwhelming. But really, yeah. it was 
an amazing film. It's one of my top three Wes Anderson movies up there with uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom. So if you're a listener who hasn't seen it, definitely go and watch it. You have to watch it. It's part of your homework. After listening to this podcast, go and watch Isle of Dogs. You won't regret it. I think uh, Wes Anderson's films have been... Uh, had that criticism levelled at them before um, that they build, they build, they build, and there's not really much of a payoff because he's very much a he's a guy who likes he likes a quiet kind of film, doesn't he? He likes um, it to be mm. very very calm uh, and small things meaning bigger things, and it's um, it's quite interesting in that way. Uh, there's a bit where um, he I can't remember the name of is it Atari or what's the name of the kid. Uh, Atarashi? Uh, oh, no, Atarashi means new, isn't it? <laughs> Atarashi. Atarashi means new, isn't like it? Atari. Yeah, Atari. I want like to that. say Atari. Atari. Uh, he, um, he goes into this kind of, like, um, it's like a little sort of igloo built out of um, bottles of sake, sort of discarded bottles mm. of sake. Uh, and I know for a fact, because they did a tour of uh, the, where they took all of the stop motion animation models and and some of the sets and stuff and and put it in a in a bar in Charing Cross in London um each one of those bottles oh, were hand fired like they fired those tiny bottles um no each way. one of them out of glass just to make the the, the diffused light uh, accurate incredible craft incredible i i must admit i was watching the whole thing thinking how have they done this with yeah. the puppets and the stop motion it seems I don't know, it seems... I, I often look at CGI sequences in films these days and feel underwhelmed. Even really epic scenes, you know, you just go, oh, that's just lots of people in a room just doing it on a computer. But with this, I did wonder how a lot of it was made and I'd really like to see how it was done behind the scenes. Although I know yeah. it was made in London, which is quite cool. Mm. Uh, a lot of it was like made and filmed in, in, in London. So, yes, I would like to know how they did it. It, it was it was it was very respectful to the Japanese language. I thought in, in many ways it, it was treated with uh, uh, the greatest of respect. There was a lot of Japanese in there, wasn't there? There was a lot. Yeah, I, for uh, people that don't understand Japanese, I guess it. I, I can't really understand how it would feel. <laughs> I, I was lucky because there's no subtitles for the Japanese speakers. Right? No, which was one of the criticisms of the movies. They sort of some people said it was like treating Japanese characters as non-human characters. Mm. Uh, which I don't think is fair at all. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I was obviously sitting there with a, a, an audience filled with Japanese viewers, and uh, I, d- I do wonder if they got the humour. There was mm. They laughed, by my count, the Japanese viewers laughed three times right. throughout the entire film. <laughs> um, but I do wonder, I'd like to have found out what they felt about the interpretation of the movie, to mm. be honest. Um, but yeah, I think it was well received. Oh. It was well received. Well, the, the other... tell you what wasn't good. <laughs> what wasn't good, Chris? Was, uh, going off on a little tangent. Uh, last week, remember we talked about clear coke. Oh yes, I think the tab clear. I had it. Yes, you had I finally it. had it. It's the weirdest looking thing. You walk into the supermarket and you just have this wall of coke. Uh, this wall of coke bottles, mm. except the bottles. Are just clear. It yeah. looks like someone's just taken filled. a stolen load of coke and filled it with water or so carbonated it, water and just cork. left it there. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I've tried it, and the best way to describe it is it tastes like coke that's been left out at a party right. and you're sort of drinking it two days later. Uh, it's it's not good and it's awful, and I don't know why anyone would ever buy it or like it. 
So that's it's awful. Were, were you, you know, not? Were you not surprised that it tasted like cork, even though it was clear? I don't know. It's one of those things where we associate cork with the brown gravy mm. sort of substance. But um, yeah, seeing it clear, must it be tasted. Quite... Well, it tasted a lot like uh, Coke lemon. You know, like oh, lemon yes, flavor. Okay, yeah. It's a lot like that. <laughs> clearly, they knew they couldn't pull off the exact flavor of Coke. So they put a bit of lemon having... in there. Exactly. Ah. Yeah. Um, I don't. It, it's really well carbonated as well. I don't know why they've stuck a load of, like they've they, they've made it extremely fizzy. Like I opened the bottle and it just exploded. Uh, and when you take a sip of it, you can really f- like taste the bubbles. Yeah, that, beautiful. That the best way to describe it. It's really really carbonated and it's awful. And I don't oh. know who would buy it. It's a bit of a gimmick, and I wonder how long it's actually going to last. But, yeah, <laughs> but well good. done, well done, everybody. And this week we're going to be talking about uh, a bit of news that's going on in Japan. A bit of news. news. And we're going to be answering your questions, questions sent in through the fax machine. Fax machine. And the first news article, of course, has to be briefly touching upon the uh, the meeting between Donald Trump and Kim Jong Un. Obviously, it happened in Singapore, mm. but it's been covered heavily in the media here. I I felt I did I. It seems ridiculous to say that I felt linked with the whole thing in some way, but like I feel a bit more intimately connected to the North Korean situation, yeah. given that I was woken up by a missile. <laughs> so that, I mean, that make, that makes me, at the very least, an expert on the uh, the geopolitical situation of North Korea. Being yeah. woken up by a missile at six a.m. it does that. Um, I don't know about you, but I was completely shocked to see just. Just seeing Donald Trump with Kim Jong Un in person, it was a mind blowing experience. I woke up on like a Tuesday, whipped open the phone, and it was just the most exciting thing to see it unravel. And I actually watched it live. I wouldn't normally do that, but yeah. I was so overwhelmed with excitement and just I was hoping there was going to be like an argument and someone was going to get slapped. Uh, it didn't happen, fortunately. The closest they came to it was uh, Kim uh, Donald Trump. And Kim Jong-un were sat around the dinner table, around the table about to have lunch. And Donald Trump said to the cameraman, oh, please try and make us all look thin and handsome. And uh, apparently the the translator didn't translate it uh, because it would have been a bit awkward given Kim Jong-un's weight. Yes. Uh, might have taken offence. Well, um, I'm sure he found about uh, out about it later. Uh, it was very... Um, somebody put the curb, the enthusiasm uh, sort of music underneath that. Um, it's all... No, it's all... Uh, you know, it's it's hard to know what to think, really, because it sends a terrible message to a nuclear state. It, it, it sends a terrible message uh, to uh, anyone who's um, seeking nuclear uh, missile technology, because it basically says, mm. um, if you've got them, you've got a seat at the table, uh, and we're going to ignore... You know, you killing um, dissidents, killing opposition members, killing members of your own family, killing uh, your population, starving your population uh, with, you know, anti-aircraft missiles and um, spending all your money that you could be spending on food, on Mm. munitions. Uh, It sends a dreadful message. Uh, Are we just suddenly now ignoring um, North Korea's crimes in the last, you know, so many years? Uh, And we're all applauding Donald Trump for, you know, bringing a couple of hostages home. Uh, and in the same way, the Republican mm, press, the mm. state press, effectively Fox News, uh, would st- would uh, would give um, Barack Obama short shrift uh, for the same yeah. kind of olive branch that I he mean, sort of put put out. After uh, Donald Trump left and he was on the plane going back to America, he tweeted something like "Mission accomplished," even though it seemed a bit premature. He said "Mission accomplished," and he said that the nuclear threat is no longer there; it's no longer a threat anymore. I think that was a bit premature. <laughs> uh, I'm. 
I'm a bit mixed on it all, really. Um, I think it's good that they met. I'm hoping something will happen down the line. I mean, Kim Jong-un has done a lot in the last few months. He's released the prisoners. He's blown up the nuclear test site, even though it was already blown up because of a nuclear bomb that went off there. So that felt a bit of an empty gesture anyway. But uh, there seems to be things happening. So I think it's too early to say. But I reckon it's good. Overall, it's good that he sat down with him and he got this done. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll lead to greater things. Abe Shinzo Abe, who's uh, back from his trip to Israel, where he had his chocolate parfait and a shoe, <laughs> uh, has said he would be willing to uh, meet Kim in September. It's been quite funny seeing the the Japanese reaction to it all over the last few months. When um, Trump originally said, "Are oh, we going to go? And, we're going to go and meet Kim in Singapore." The Japanese media or the Japanese government was a little bit sceptical, but nonetheless, they got on board. They were like, yeah, go, go, Trump. This is good. And then Trump cancelled it, obviously. And they were like, yeah, go, Trump, for cancelling it. Good that you've cancelled it. Show you, North Korea. And then, obviously, it was put back on again. (laughs) And the Japanese government was like, yeah. And it's just watching them not really know how to react. And it's all a bit awkward seeing how they, they deal with this ongoing situation but uh, <laughs> when um, yeah i think it's encouraging it's encouraging uh yeah it is i mean he's done uh they, they've done similar things before they've uh, reneged on, on on agreements they've you know sneaked around but i mean what trump has actually got uh it, it, in many ways what trump does all the time he never gets anything really achieved he goes there for the um for the photo opportunity uh he gets his base oh, yeah. all riled up and excited uh, there's no agreements for um people going in and checking up that uh, north korea haven't you know get, no. haven't got their centrifuges back up and running a couple of collapsed tunnels on cnn isn't really going to um uh, really going to do it for for me or anyone else i think in many ways but you know talking's always good uh, but I just fear I think... that uh, Donald Trump uh, is uh, uh, he's not the most thoughtful uh, of leaders. He mm. really doesn't um, he doesn't use uh, the knowledge and uh, history and, and the people who are around him to, uh, to to get anything done. So I at this point, nothing really has been done, achieved, agreed. Um, but talking is always good. Uh, but I will I think I think we'll know judgment. in you're um... closer than me for crying out loud. We'll know if I get woken up by another North Korea missile. That'll be the deciding mm. factor yep. in whether or not things have worked out. But I think we'll see in a, in a few weeks, in two or three weeks, we'll know what the mm. situation is, I think. They'll either go back to being a bit hostile um, or things will happen. So mm. it's best to wait and see at this point. But yeah, it was one big photo opportunity, one big media publicity stunt. Mm. Uh, I mean, did you see that video the White House knocked up? That felt like North oh North Korean God. propaganda. Oh my! I mean, if you haven't seen this, ladies and gentlemen, go and watch it because it looks like something North Korea would cook up. Uh, it's like a how would you describe it, Pete? It's like a propaganda video. Well, it's it's just um, they they managed to get like a kind of um, I I watched the Korean language version uh, and they had like a kind of proper kind of film like 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of <laughs> book in Korean kind of voice going I'm <laughs> um, trying to think of the Korean it's I know where is the toilet <laughs> oh, I love the <laughs> I love the yeah the voiceover was very 1980s action film it was oh, like it was we only have one chance in a lifetime to change everything once and for all one chance to change destiny of mankind, and it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but this, uh, this kind of really—I mean, that was it, that was half the fun. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, What's this Hollywood kind of, uh, it's all surface, no substance bullshit. My God, it might actually work, <laughs> which is the most <laughs> depressing thing about it, really. So, yeah, um, we're all idiots. We're in the age of idiocy. And uh, this is the last hurrah of the um, the imbeciles. And I'm just glad, glad I'm here to see it. <laughs> the last hurrah of the imbeciles. Yeah. That's good, that. Did you just make that up? I just made that up, mate. Wait, the last Ooh, hurrah of the imbeciles. Mate, yeah. You're wasted. Tell Shinzo Abe. Newspaper Tell Shinzo Abe. I'm over there in October. Let's sit down, have a chat over some Okonomiyaki. Uh, so whilst the uh, yeah whilst the Singapore summit dominated the news, uh, the second biggest headline in Japanese news was mm. uh, somebody went on a bit of a rampage uh, and killed, uh, I think two people. Right. Uh, no, he killed one and injured two okay. on a bullet train going from uh, going from Tokyo to Osaka. Uh, he pulled out a knife, randomly attacked passengers, killing one, injuring two. Um, and amongst this, this I mean, this is quite a big deal. Obviously, the homicide rate in Japan is very low. Mm. And when it does happen, it's it's heavily reported in the media. Yeah. And uh, one of the most interesting things out of this was there was uh, some photos came out of passengers on the train using the seats as shields, uh, as actual ah. like shields, because you can pull apart the seats on Shinkansen trains because they're made in sort of panels. Yeah. If you haven't already seen the way Shinkansen's uh, bullet trains are cleaned. They're cleaned in seven minutes, uh, and oh, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Yeah, yeah. Go, if, when, whenever you're at Tokyo Station or a major station, you can see it happen. They kind of the cleaning staff march out onto the platform like soldiers. The doors open. They go in. Seven minutes later, they come out, and you've got a thousand seat train that's already just been cleaned in seven minutes. It's a phenomenal mm. sight. Yeah, and one of the factors in that is the the chairs, a bit like. Transformer chairs is the best way to describe mm. them. All the seats turn around automatically, yeah. 180 degrees to face the direction of the train. But also you can pull them apart. Uh, if the seat's damaged or really dirty, they can just pull out the seat, replace it there and then. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, some passengers were using it as a shield against this attacker. And it's just imagine, just just whip, like just getting off your seat, pulling it apart, and using it as a shield. Like a Captain America it's shield. Very Japanese. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very it's, Transformers. I mean, it's 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 a tragic Inspired. it's a tragic tale, but it uh, you know does show the ingenuity of um, common passenger and stuff. And uh, I presume they caught the guy, and he's um, you know. Yeah, they caught him. They caught him. But if you're on, uh, but if you're on a train, I mean, like, what? How do you, you know, how do you get security staff on? How mm, do you kind of shields? Chair shields, shields, chair shields. I mean, those chairs are amazing. Like the 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 fact that you you can press a lever on the bottom. And just spin the entire three chair system around. So if you're with your friends, you go, can we just spin that around? There's just so much room on Japanese trains. God, I love the Shinkansen. God, I love I it. I know. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking going back to the UK, <laughs> really getting is. on a train covered in rubbish, that's oh, just sort of tightly e- packed together. Like even our best. With uncomfortable seats. Even our best trains. I mean, like Virgin have got this big uh, boner for uh, their new. Um, Virgin uh, Train. I'm going to type in Virgin Train New into my uh, laptop, um, and it's uh, it's Japan. It, it, they're making a big deal about the fact that it's Japanese. Azuma, the first Virgin Azuma, Azuma um, trains uh, have uh, have arrived. So uh, yeah, they, they've got a new Azuma fleet, and um, it'll just be as dreadful as all the other trains, uh, but it'll be like five miles per hour faster which will increase clever branding well yeah it's 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 just dreadful they've got the um hiragana on the front of it sort of thing to make it look all bloody japanese and um, but but the the fundamental situation will be it'll be really expensive and everyone have to sit on the floor sitting on the floor
<laughs> no matter how you brand it, the British transport system will always be abysmal. Uh, the the worst thing to come out of this this um, attack on the train, though, is the Japanese government's looking at security now, and they might have to start using metal detectors and all sorts of security to yeah, try and screen people getting on the train, which is would just be annoying. You know, we're yeah. talking about. I think I read uh, twenty to thirty thousand people mm. get on the bullet trains every hour yeah. in Tokyo Station, which is an incredible number. Twenty thousand mm. people an hour. And to screen them all would just cause so many delays and problems. Um, so hopefully it doesn't come to that over this one incident. But I, I mean, can see why they're being a bit paranoid. Well, um, I mean, it's, about it's, it. it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's one man, and you know, the, the, Japan has had uh, attacks like this just in the street before. Uh, but I guess when, when mm. you're in when you're in a, a big metal tube, that kind of um, accentuates the problem, so to speak. I guess. But yeah, long live the removal. Seats. Long live them. Uh, Removable seats. Um, the third article mm. that I want to get into is uh, video games bars are Ooh. a big deal in Japan, right? You can come in, you can have a drink, you can play a bit of Mario Kart mm. or Super Smash Bros. It's so fun, I love it. But they've started. Uh, the police have started raiding them in Kyoto and Kobe for allegedly allowing customers to play video games um, which haven't had the permission of the game makers. Ah. So a lot of um, a lot of these bars don't have any licenses from Nintendo or Capcom or whatever yeah. or Sony. Uh, and when you're using, when you sort of buy these video games, they're for personal use only. You can't mm. effectively monetize them. So yeah, police have started raiding them, and it could be could be a sad end to the famous video game bars of Japan. Well, have you ever been to one? Um, not in Japan. I mean, it's a big deal over really? here. But I suppose with um... With uh, I'm trying to think, have I ever seen? I don't think I've ever seen a video game in a uh, in, a, in in a bar like that, really. But I think well, um, I'm shocked. In uh, I thought you'd be the first person to <laughs> well, I don't be in a video game. I, I, I drinking and games. I'm sick them out. Well, I mean, I guess um, I mean you know San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco have got loads of them. Like LA, obviously, all the all the big cities have got them. I even went to one. I actually did a um, like a, not a keynote, but I did like a kind of bar based keynote mm. about the E3 that's uh, happening over in LA at the moment. I did one in um, a friends video game bar he's got four uh three in london one in brighton um they're incredibly oh, wow. popular and it's not just um video games the snares the xboxes the playstation 4s and stuff it's also uh, board games as well because obviously board games are back in a big big way mm, uh, so people mm. have like enough room to uh, play board games with each other does he have a special there. license well you know what i don't I, I think it's one of those things that um distance uh kind of helps a little bit i think you can kind of set up something like that in america or uh or, or, or london uh, and nobody really, you know, they don't really exercise their rights like that. It, it reminds me of um, when you, in the 90s and the 80s, when you used to watch like a VHS mm. tape, there was always like that warning about not only piracy, but uh, this video is not for public display. Uh, you can't watch it on a plane. You can't mm. watch it on a bus. You can't watch it on an oil rig. It was always a big thing about oil rigs or prisons. <laughs> they were the two big things because it's counted as a public performance, basically. Uh, and obviously, you have to got you do have to pay for that. It's like um, when you play music in a in a in a in a restaurant or a bar. Yeah, you should yeah. in 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 England, you should be PRS covered. So you should be paying money to the artists because at the end of the day, they're entertaining your. Your, your punters, I suppose. But I think in Japan, because mm. you're much closer to where the video games are created, I imagine the copyright and the licensing uh, police are a little bit more on it. And goodness knows, uh, Japan love admin, so any bit of admin they can do. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you are coming to Japan, though, and you do want to try a video games bar, there's a few mm. good ones. Okay. The 
I think the most famous one in Osaka is called Space Station. I've been there two or three times. It's pretty good. Mm. Space Station in Osaka. And the the good one in Shinjuku in Tokyo is the 8-Bit Cafe. 8-Bit right. Cafe in Shinjuku. Drop into one of those. Have a drink. Play some games. Oh, well, I'm looking at um, Space Station. There's um, a lot of SNESs hooked up. Unless you're in... Uh, exactly. I think in America they used to call it the SNES. So whenever like a British person talks about the um, Super Nintendo... <laughs> Um, they get really wound up because we say SNES and they've always historically no said the SNES. Uh, you know what well, you know what it's like with the internet, people just get upset about Soddall. <laughs> well, I've never borne the brunt of that many a time. I know. I remember the uh, last time I was in I think it was it might have been Space Station in Osaka mm. with a few friends. We played uh, Bomberman on the uh, on the SNES. A oh, great so multiplayer good. game. That's a fantastic multiplayer yeah. game that. Couple of gin and tonics oh. with one hand, Bomberman in the other, <laughs> and I won. I remember vividly that I won a lot of them as well. So that's why. <laughs> that's why you good. enjoyed it. Uh, it's weird. I'm happy. I was once in a uh, video game cafe in um, Poland. Uh, I was in um, Krakow, Krakow on uh, yeah. New Year's uh, New Year's sort of time uh, this year, and. Um, Hilariously, like you'd usually expect on all the video game cafes, there'd be like, you know, a bit of Super Mario, um, there'd be, I don't know, a twin stick shoot or something, maybe like a, a, a couple of um, ones that's doing FIFA uh, in Poland because all of the Polish men are frightening UFC maniacs. Um, every single <laughs> last pod had the UFC, the official UFC game on it, uh, or Mortal Kombat. Um, they, love, they love a scrap. They love, they love watching scraps, uh, it seems, the uh, Polish male youth. Uh, over there, so that was quite exciting. <laughs> if you're a Polish listener, enjoy- do email us. Do, yeah, uh, do verify dis- this. Disavow. Pete I mean, Donaldson. Very warm, lovely people. I enjoy my time in Poland whenever I go, but I'm just saying, they, every young man seems to know how to do some UFC fighting. <laughs> <laughs> they grew up on it. They grew up on it. Oh, dear. Um, shall, we head in, shall we head into um, Fax, Fax Machine? Machine? Fax Machine! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Gym yes. time. Fuck yes. And to my surprise, I stumbled across a secret sexy club. Wow. Um... We've, we got? we've got an email from uh, Tamlin. Hello, Tamlin. I love that name. That's beautiful. Um, I'm not really sure if it's a girl or a boy. Doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you sound a little bit like a village in Skyrim. Hello, Chris and Pete. Love the podcast. Uh, does Chris ever plan on writing a book? Maybe now or when you're older about your experiences in Japan. I would definitely read it. Sincerely, Tamlin. Tamriel. Tamrin. I got the Skyrim reference. I got, you mean Elder Scrolls, yeah? Well, I mean, Tamriel, Tamlen. No, but Tamlen sounds like a, you know, a village in some kind of um, fantasy world. Enchanted Woods. Yeah, Witcher 3, something like that. <laughs> it does a bit. Yeah. Um, a book. I have actually thought yeah. about writing a book. Um, as to what it would be about, I don't really know. I think it would be... The two books I've thought about writing... Mm. <clears throat> the two books I've thought about writing, one yeah. of them would be kind of a travel book. Uh, with travel tips and advice and how to make the most of... Visiting Japan, and the second book would just be a kind of five years of living in Japan mm. expose. It'd be called like yeah. just abroad in Japan, five years living in Japan, something like that. Just talking about the people I've met, things I've done, and hopefully it'd be interesting for anyone wondering, you know, what what life in Japan's like. Mm. I haven't. God knows when I'd find the time to write it though. Maybe I could ghostwrite it. Maybe you could write it for me, Pete. <laughs> Well, I am, a published, I am a published author. Football Ramble book came out a couple of years ago. Um, turns out, uh, if you go with a major publisher, oh, you don't get a big cut. <laughs> oh, oh, my. 16, oh, quid, 16, 17 quid for a hardback book. Two quid you get out of that. And that's shared between all of the authors. Dreadful news. Why bother? So you didn't make your millions. <laughs> didn't make our millions. Book. I mean, we sold, you know, what they expo- sorry, what they wanted us to sell. We sold them all. Uh, we went out of print in Amazon, but still, uh, wow. it was not worth the time. <laughs> but if you're writing by yourself, there you go, then Tamlin. Probably won't write a book Probably now. Not, Please mate. put me off. No, no <laughs> point. Yeah, it's you know, it, it serves the ego. Something, uh, something chronic. Have you have you got it any? Would be um, cool. Have you got any sort of recommendations book wise for uh, uh, books that are set in Japan? Jim McInerney, one of my uh, favourite uh, writers, um, he wrote a, a book called Ransom, um, which really goes off the boil uh, last third. But if you can stand to get that far, um, this is an alright little yarn. <laughs> I read. I mean, there's there's some good books. If you just want a book that tells you about Japan in depth mm. and J- Japanese pop culture. Yeah. There's a good book called uh, A Geek in Japan. Okay. A Geek in Japan. Can't remember the name of the author, but just whack it into Amazon or Google and you'll find it. And it just gives you a really nice kind of a brief. A, a, like kind of Once you've finished it, you'll know pretty much the basics about every aspect of Japanese culture. Yeah. And, and you, like, it's a really good book. For, I bought it, I think, just before I came here so I could get clued up on Japanese culture in general but yeah. Yeah, Geek in Japan was pretty good okay that was good there's um, yeah. there's, a, there's a guy called uh, Brian Ashcraft who I met briefly in uh, was it New York it might have been New York you know uh, and um, yeah we had, we had a wee chat and he writes for the video game site Kotaku and he 
Mm. Basically, uh, he wrote, he's written a couple of books on, I think, um, well, a lot on video games, but he's wrote a couple of books, one on um, Japanese tattoos and also um, Japanese whiskey as well. Uh, so if you're a fan of a uh, bit of hibiki or, you know, the Yakuza tattoos, um, I recommend those two books as well. They're very good. Brian Ashcraft, he's a, he's a good writer. Hey, Chris and Pete. I lived in Japan for around two years from the time I was 18 years old, Whoa. during which I studied Japanese and worked. I wasn't an English teacher, so I was able to speak Japanese all day, most, most, all day, mostly every day, uh, <laughs> thus becoming quite proficient in Japanese. Mm. When you lived in the countryside, was it ever awkward bumping into other foreigners? When I lived in a rural town in Nagano, I found it a bit awkward seeing another white gaijin. It's like I got used to being one of the only ones there, mm. and I would just stare at them as any other high school kid would, like they were some kind of alien. I would then realise how dumb I was being and would usually say hi, but it seemed to be a bit awkward sometimes. Did the same kind of thing ever happen to you, Zach? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I found that. Yeah. Get that all the time, back in the countryside. It was always weird. I remember going into like a department store in Yamagata once, just seeing a foreigner who I didn't know. I mean... You tend to know all the other foreigners out in the countryside, right? You tend to know them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So when you see one that you don't know, who's not another teacher, Ooh, it's like, yeah, I know. <gasps> you've, you've broke, you've broken into my space. You know, <laughs> you feel a bit territorial. Uh, yeah, and it's always awkward because um, you don't know how to react. I had this the other day. I was walking by a river, having a nice romantic afternoon yeah. stroll. And uh, a few paces ahead, I saw this foreigner like jogging towards me. And I was like, <gasps> a foreigner. And I didn't know how to react. I didn't know if I was going to wave Push or him in the river. talk or do anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throw him in the river. That's what British folk do. Yeah. Uh, and I just, yeah, I felt a bit awkward. But he, as he approached, I sort of looked up from the pavement and sort of nodded and went, he gave me the back. So we... We interacted, but yeah, it can actually be quite awkward, yeah. to be honest, so don't be surprised if you find yourself in the Japanese countryside and you have an awkward interaction with a foreigner. <laughs> Especially when you're not in like a tourist um, spot or in a major city, it's, it's, it is one of the mm. last places in the world where you just don't see that many uh, white people, and, and so it must be like... Absolutely. It, yeah. it, it, do you ever find a situation where, um, like if you were some Japanese people and another white guy's in, like, kind of in an extended group of friends and they sort of put you together, like if... Um, if you've got two gay friends that don't know each other, you're like, oh, you should, you guys should like get together <laughs> because we're pathetic. It, it does happen, yeah. people. <laughs> I actually quite. It's 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 a godsend though. I mean, I go. I've been to a lot of Japanese parties and networking events, and if there is another foreigner there, I do breathe a sigh of relief because mm. it means I won't. If I, you know, if I get run down from speaking Japanese and acting in a very, I don't know, composed manner. Yeah. As is expected with Japanese etiquette, it could be quite it could be quite taxing, <laughs> uh, like meeting lots of people and doing all the bowing, exchanging business cards, having the same superficial bullshit conversations mm. about where I'm from, why I'm in Japan, what am I doing? You know, yeah. With a foreigner, you can just strike up a, a much more natural conversation. So yes, foreigners can be a godsend at, uh, at the right events. I find <laughs> you do get thrown together more often than not, and and also kind of like uh, you know Japanese people, what are you doing here? You could just make up massive lies. I'm here to kill Shinzo Abe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to assassinate the president. <laughs> I might oh, try that. I wonder no, what response yeah, would yeah, that probably. 
Okay. Visa revoked. <laughs> See you later. The visa, uh, we got an email oh, from uh, Monica. Hello, Monica. I'm relatively confident that Monica is a girl. Uh, hey, gents. I loved watching Natsuki the movie. Other than the privilege of uh, learning more about Natsuki, it was great to see Pete. He's far more good-looking than I anticipated. I didn't read this far down the page, Chris. I'm glad you left that in. Uh, do either of you lovely gents listen to any Japanese music? If so, what genre, bands, etc.? Mm. Oh, I mean, the email does go on saying, uh, also, if Natsuki decides to visit New York to visit Sid Vicious, can my cat and I join along? We're native New Yorkers. Her name is Ming, and one of her many nicknames is Ming Vicious. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely old job. Ming Vicious. Well, th- what I was going to say about um, you visiting um, uh, Highgate Cemetery, because you're on the lookout yeah. for Sid Vicious, I mean, I, I don't know how that came about, on how Natsuki got that in uh, his head. Uh, did I mention on a previous podcast that if you just walked a little bit further down from Karl Marx's big head, you could have visited yeah. Malcolm McLaren's grave, which, we actually, which, of course... We did. Oh, you we did, did, which is, of course, the, the, the manager of the Sex there. Pistols, yeah. Um, Jer- if, you, if you watch Natsuki the movie, Natsuki <laughs> strikes up a conversation with some sort of... Uh, with, a, with a gardener, yeah. I think. And he's like, Sid Vicious, where's Sid Vicious? And he's like, Sid Vicious, he's not here, mate. <laughs> but he took us... He did take us to Malcolm McLaren. Oh, did he? Right, okay, Natsuki, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Natsuki uh, was there at the manager's gravestone. But yeah. We didn't put it in because we thought Karl Marx was more interesting. Although, in hindsight, the Karl Marx thing, so many bloody people have commented no, no, on no, it, guys. equating Natsuki to like some sort of mass murderer. You can't because you, they you, think Karl Marx is Stalin. Millions of people. <laughs> Karl Marx equals Stalin equals Natsuki is a is a commie. Yeah. But and also you forget that. Um, Communism is still a dirty word in some parts of the world, uh, and also um, you forget that um, politics uh, is polarizing and occasionally quite toxic. Uh, a little bit down the way as well from Karl Marx's big head uh, was notable jipster um, Jeremy Beadle as well, a man who in the 1980s and 90s uh, here on British <laughs> television, um, he was like the Ashton Kutcher prankster, uh, but a, a lot less attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he just compared Jeremy Beadle to Ashton Kutcher. Well, he did like anyway, a punk. He did like question. a punk show, didn't he? Like a punk. Not, uh, was, ah, you've been punked. It's not a it's, yeah, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> um, <laughs> he visited my uh, school once. De- I, in terms of Japanese music, I do. Do you remember when when you came here? Uh, when we were driving around. Yes. Did I introduce you to Japanese city pop music from Ooh, the nineteen eighties? No. Oh no. Uh, no, but you like the thing about Japanese music. It's quite um, certainly in the eighties. It's a lot more derivative. And talking to a couple of Japanese musicians um, who actually do like video game music and stuff. I was in Kyoto and I was um, at a video game kind of indie video game party, uh, and I was chatting to mm. a composer over there, and he's in like um, he's in like a funk band, um, and he was saying that you know a lot of pop music is. Um, it's all um, uh, quite cr- criminalised. The, the, the kind of um, the, the, the systems underneath it is underpinned by the criminal underworld, etc. So all of the music is kind of like um, really? NSYNC and um, Britney Spears, but with modern recording and production techniques over the top of it. So it's very samey. Uh, it's very derivative of uh, what you get in America. And there's uh, and there's an identity thing with um, I think um, the Japanese music from what I've heard. This guy who produced music for um for the video games he's also in like a funk band uh and he would be kind of putting different influences into his funk sort of bass playing and and the singer would sort of stop him all all japanese guys apart from this guy uh, who's half japanese 
uh, half uh, American, and he was basically, mm. um, they were sort of saying, right, don't play like that because that's not a funk band. They're very set and they're always very dogmatic when it comes to what kind of um, style of music they play, which I find quite fascinating, really. There's very little freedom, very, they're very rigid, but um, I can't remember you playing me much uh, in the car, but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, you played a bit of um, bit of Oasis and all that. <laughs> I, I did, yeah. I, I My favourite... If you just type it, if you go on YouTube and type in City Pop okay. later, or if you're listening, go and, go and do it. Uh, it's, that's what I listen to a lot of the time when I'm working. It's uh, music from the 1980s. Obviously, mm. in the 1980s, uh, personal radios and boomboxes and things were popular, and people just go out around the city mm. and listen to music in parks and things. And it kind of, it's very funky kind of music. You can yeah. sort of, it's very easy listening. It's quite upbeat. I don't often know what the singers are saying, but mm. the music is so funky that I just enjoy listening to it's it. It's like futuristic, and, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's like it, it's it's from the nineteen eighties, but it feels very futuristicy. So it's like the sort of thing you um, describe it. The sort of thing you'd hear in like uh, Akira, like that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And what and like Blade Runner. Um, yeah. I think it's what they thought music might be like in 20, 30 years, although it's <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. But yeah, my favourite artist is uh, Tatsuro Yamashita. Tatsuro Yamashita. Mm. Uh, but just type in City Pop or Tatsuro Yamashita into YouTube and you'll find it. Mm. That's what I listen to more or less every day when I'm working. I just have it on in the background or when I'm in a coffee shop. Yeah. And it's just nice to listen to when I'm working. It cheers me up. Oh. It's a smile to my face. Maybe I should get involved in that because I can't listen to things that have lyrics because I get very distracted. One of them, um, there, yeah, ba- yeah. there was this band that, um, they were wonderful. Uh, they, they, they like this kind of like, Quite um, again, quite rigid kind of um, new metal band sort of thing that would. Um, that when I used to be in the bar uh, in um, Shibuya, they were called Maximum the Hormone, and it's a very specific track uh, that was was released in um, 2013. And I don't know. I think the whole song um, was called something else, but there was a refrain at the end of it um, that basically it turned from a new metal song into a kind of very sweet pop track, um, where they basically asked, pleaded their fans not to upload their music to file-sharing platforms. <laughs> uh, and the peer-to-peer pl- file-sharing platform at the time was called Winnie. Um, and the whole thing was like, stop, 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 stop the Winnie upload. And it was a beautiful end to a song. <laughs> so, just, um, amazing. so just Google uh, Winnie upload and um, Maximum the Hormone was the band. And back in the day when I used to listen to a lot of um, punk rock, um, obviously one of the big hitters over there, um, high standard. They were they were signed to um, Fat Records, I think, for a brief period of time. But they would uh, they famously did a cover of Police Every Breath You Take or one of those kind of like pop tracks. But they were mm. incredibly good. Um, Mad Capsule Markets were they Japanese? I think they were Japanese as well. But uh, other than that, no. <laughs> maximum the hormone. I maximum. Still that's actually a name. Maximum the hormone. So yeah, lovely old Some job. Pretty wacky names out here. <laughs> Definitely. My favourite, I think another one of my favourite Japanese bands is called Blanky Jet City. Blanky Jet City. You having that? Kind of random name. Um, but they they were out in the late, I think mid to late 90s. Right. And Natsuki and I actually bonded over some of their music. And I used some of their songs in my earlier videos hmm. before I got scared of copyright problems and yeah. tried to avoid doing that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you go and look through my earlier videos, you'll certainly hear a lot of their stuff. It's mm. kind of a bit punk rock I guess it's I guess it's the rock genre, a bit punk rocky. Yeah, uh, they they have a lot of English lyrics in their songs as well. But yeah, yeah, they're they're quite refreshing because I was a bit sick of. I mean, when you walk around Japan, you hear a lot of 
J-poppy noise music, which is just <laughs> me, 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 me. It sounds like a cat being strangled, mm. and I hate it. So when I stumbled across Blanky Jet City and these kind of a lot of Japanese rock bands, it was so refreshing, mm. and I was so relieved to you know find something that wasn't. Yeah. So yeah. Blanky Jet City. I um I once interviewed uh, Miyavi, which is a he's like a virtuoso kind of guitarist, um and he was over in uh, in England for like um, a show. He was like, you know, he could fill out fucking st- stadiums over there, but um, over here, you know, I think he managed to um, sell a few tickets at the Hammersmith Apollo or the Brixton Academy or something. Right. Yeah. Um, to the you know to Japanese expats effectively, but it was sort of so interesting to see. Um, you know, he could walk down the street um, in in England and uh, and not be bothered. But um, yeah, he was a, he was a nice chap. Yeah, Practised some of my Japanese on him. Probably the old job. <laughs> Miyavi. <laughs> Miyavi. He, he was in a film with Angelina Jolie. He um, I can't remember. Is it Unbroken? Right. The film. Uh, he played like a, a Japanese prison guard or something. He, he was quite. He had chops. Oh, he had chops. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't butcher anyone in the prison of war camp that that he was Anthony he was Majuli he was, he was sadistic was, uh, <laughs> he was sadistic got a bit of a rap here right okay did it right the violent nature of it and the way it depicted yes well the way it depicted japanese prison of war camps well Miyavi, miyavi yeah miyavi um got absolute pelts for that and i think he's only just restored his uh his uh reputation so uh there you go there you go. Um, I don't know how old he is. Like he, I think he was popular in the nineties, but um, I, I could not, I could not figure out where, uh, how old he is. But he seems, he seemed rather popular. Um, yeah, mm. <laughs> um, I, th- I think that's about it for it, it for this week, isn't it, uh, Chris? Uh, should we chuck out the email and uh, get out of here, and we'll see each other uh, and speak to the people next week. Yeah. So next week, guys, we'll be answering a lot of your questions. Wow. We've, again, the fax machine, the inbox is rammed, Ramosaurus with your questions if you've got some questions though send them in mm. Japanpodcast at gmail.com and they might appear in an upcoming episode but no matter where you are out there in the big wide world have yourself a great Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day of the week it is you listen to this and have a good one see you later guys see you next week bye bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 